0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network.
1: Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power and a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of who? The rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, I start early and I stay late day after day, day after day, year after year. It took me 17 years and 114 days to become an overnight success, and that's from world-famous football or soccer player Lionel Messi. The title of today's show is Overnight Success Takes About 15 Years. It may even take longer than that. A lot of times we see people become successful and it seems like they became successful overnight, but it took them years and years and years to be able to put themselves in a position to get to the level where they are at right now. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Want to remind you, if ever want to go back and re-listen to this or any of the previous shows, you can go to my website www.powerhh.com. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr. That's M-A-R-K. S T A R R on Instagram and Twitter. It's at coach Mark speaks. That's at C O A C H M A R K S P E A K S. And we also have the Facebook group power in a half hour. Just do a search for that and send a request. And we would love to have you inside our Facebook group for all my listeners in the United States. I have a daily message service that sends out an inspirational motivational message every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern standard time and 10 a.m. on the weekends to get those messages messages for absolutely free all you have to do is text the letters bbd to 411 that's b as in boy b as in boy d as in dog to four one one two four seven. and if you have not had the opportunity to download my book you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com we have an absolutely amazing show today so let's go ahead and get started profile number one gordon and carol seagal Now, Gordon and Carol met while attending Northwestern University. After Gordon graduated, he moved to New York to work in the restaurant business for six months, but he didn't make enough to live on, so he moved back to Chicago and went into real estate. Carol became a first grade school teacher, and they got married in June 1961. Now, before they got married, they set up their gift registry at Marshall Field, but the things that they liked were too expensive for their friends and family. The couple ended up going to the Caribbean for their honeymoon and they found a couple of stores in the Virgin Islands with Scandinavian designs and good prices. After they came back from their honeymoon, while washing some dishes, Gordon said to Carol, There's got to be other young couples with good taste and no money like us. Why don't we open up a store? Carol thought it was a good idea, so they spoke with the Scandinavian trade commissioners in Chicago who would bring them all the catalogs. They also got samples from traveling salesmen. Now, at the time, both of them were 23 years old. They knew absolutely nothing about retail. The only experience they had was Gordon had taken a few accounting and finance classes while in college and worked at his dad's restaurant. And Carol loved to entertain and had a great sense of design. They figured that they would need $20,000 to get started. The couple had $10,000 from savings and money they received from their wedding. Gordon pitched the idea to anyone that he could, but no one was interested. He told them that for $10,000, they could own half of a great idea, but no one took him up on his offer. Gordon's dad finally lent them $7,000, so they had $17,000, and on December 7, 1962, they opened their first store. They opened their store in an old elevator factory in Chicago's old town. They couldn't afford new plaster for the walls and fixtures, so they bought lumber to put on the walls to make them clean and put nails on them to hang things on. They couldn't afford to redo the floors, so they hand-sanded the floors themselves. Now, some of the items that they sold were from Sweden and in new pine crates, so Carol flipped them and made them display fixtures. Some of the other items that they got came in barrels from France and they used those as well. Now, while Carol was setting up, a woman walked in the store and asked what she was going to name the store. The woman suggested the name Barrel and Crate since they used many barrels and crates to display the items. Carol told Gordon that she liked the name Crate and Barrel and that became the name of their store. When they finally opened, they forgot to buy a cash register, so they used a cigar box and would use newspaper to wrap the merchandise. Although they didn't know what they were doing, their philosophy was, what do we have to lose? Now, the first month that they opened, they did over $8,000 in sales. They figured that they would do the same amount every month, not realizing that they did that well because Christmas time was the big retail season. Now, after Christmas, sales dropped, and February 1963 was the snowiest month that they had in a long time, and they only did $2,000 in sales. They didn't think that they would survive, but when the springtime came, business picked back up. Now, their first year, they made $96,000. Shortly after their first year, they lost the lease on their property, and they would end up moving down the street. In the beginning, they only had one salesperson, but business continued to increase. Six years after opening their first store, they opened their second store. Three years after that, they opened a third store. The couple opened their first store outside of Chicago in 1977, 15 years after opening their first store in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, by 1985, the chain had grown to 17 stores. By March, 1995, Ten years later, it opened its first New York location and its 59th location in total. In 1998, they sold the majority stake in the company to a German mail-order company so they could have financing to increase its rate of expansion. By 2002, it had grown to over 100 stores and over 135 locations by late 2004. Today, there are over 170 stores in the United States. Crate and Barrel also have stores in Canada, Dubai, Singapore, Peru, and Colombia and over 7,000 employees. Let's now take a look at some advice from Gordon and Carol. Number one, consistency is key. Keep a consistent style of product. From tabletops to lamps, we're known for clean, contemporary, good value products. Number two, mentor people so you can replicate yourself. We mentor a lot of people and taught them why we loved the business. Now our stores in Dubai and Canada look as fabulous as our stores in Chicago. And number three, practice risk management. Look at products with consumer safety in mind. Whether it's dealing with lead in plates or the dye in pottery, you have to be prepared for the worst. Now, Gordon never wrote a book but says that if he were to write one and summarize it down to one page, This is what it would say. Introduction. I'm a store person. I like to surround people with merchandise. I like a feeling of abundance. Stacks and stacks of glasses, each one polished so it shines. I like displays, so inviting that people want to touch things, to feel the weight of a bowl or brush their fingers across a blanket. I like to charm customers with great salesmanship. It's hard to be a specialty retailer these days. It takes time to fully develop a concept. Let me repeat that. He says, it takes time to fully develop a concept. Companies want to grow fast. Customers want to shop fast. When everyone is in a hurry, something is lost. Chapter one, point of view. The great specialty retailers start from a distinct point of view. Now keep this in mind for everyone that has a product or something that they are trying to sell. The great specialty retailers start from a distinct point of view. It's a matter of taste and style and also of how things are priced. Point of view is not just about the products you sell but also how you present them. A Ralph Lauren store takes the point of view of an English manor house. British but contemporized for American taste. That's very different from Crate and Barrel's point of view. Chapter 2. Curtain Time. The store is the stage with the lighting, the music, and the atmosphere. The product is the script. The employees are the actors. The customer is the audience. And it's the job of the actors to convince the audience that this is a good play or a good product. Chapter 3. Actors, Waiters, and Teachers You have to hire people with personality and passion who are great at interacting with the customer. We love to hire people who worked as actors or in restaurants. School teachers are also wonderful. They are gifted at explaining things. In the early days, many school teachers who worked for us as part-time sales associates became great leaders. Three of our top executives were former teachers. Chapter 4 The Maturing Buyer As a store buyer, you try to understand the market, but people are guided by their own tastes, and these tastes change over time as rising success and world travels make people more sophisticated. So buyers in their 30s buy one way, and that changes as they get to their 40s and then to their 50s, and the store changes as a result. You have to be aware of that. Epilogue The internet is a wonderful thing. I remember our first website. You can go to our fulfillment center and watch the orders printing out in the morning. It was so easy, like printing money. But retailers on the internet today are so flooded with data that they barely have time to get up from their desk. You have to go out to the stores, walk the floor, talk to the associates, watch the customers, respond to the displays. The stores are where life is. Now, profile number two. Ray Kroc and the McDonald Brothers. Now over a year ago we profiled Ray Kroc who was not the founder of McDonald's but the man who took the concept to another level. Now recently I watched the movie The Founder which was a film about Richard and Maurice McDonald and Ray Kroc. The McDonald Brothers first moved to California in the late 1920s and in 1937 almost 15 years later after they moved to California they opened a hot dog stand. 11 years later, in 1948, the brothers relocated to San Bernardino and opened another restaurant that focused on hamburgers and french fries. These two brothers came up with a revolutionary design that would change the entire restaurant industry. Their restaurant, number one, had no interior dining area. Number two, they had no wait staff. Orders were taken in person at the front counter where the food was also delivered. And number three... The brothers designed the kitchen area themselves. The kitchen had an assembly line style layout that maximized efficiency and output. Now, at the time, Maurice, a.k.a. Mac, was 46, and his younger brother, Richard, a.k.a. Dick, was 41. Their new restaurant was a success. The brothers began franchising their system five years later in 1953. Now, in 1954, the brothers partnered with Ray Kroc, a milkshake mixer salesman for 17 years. This guy was selling milkshake mixers for 17 years. Now, before selling milkshake mixers, Ray was a paper cup salesman, a pianist, and a DJ on a local radio station. When Ray first met the McDonald's brothers, he was so blown away by the system, he knew instantly that he had to be a part of it. He became the head of franchising, and opened his own location in illinois ray didn't open his first location until he was 52 years old ray's quoted as saying i was an overnight success all right but 30 years is a long long night let me repeat that ray said i was an overnight success all right but 30 years is a long long night now random. McDonald Brothers would fight back and forth for seven years about changes that Ray would want to implement into the system. Seven years after joining, Ray bought the McDonald Brothers out for $2.7 million. Now, this story is inspiring and amazing for quite a few different reasons. Number one, the McDonald Brothers found great success after many years by going against the grain and coming up with an innovative idea that no one at the time was doing. Essentially, they took the Henry Ford concept of the assembly line and applied it to their business. Number two, at age 52, Ray Kroc was a struggling milkshake mixer salesman that stumbled into a great idea. This is an example of how you don't have to be the person that came up with the original idea to have success. Ray took an already great idea to the next level and at the same time took himself from a struggling salesman to a very, very wealthy businessman worth over $500 million at the time of his death in 1984. Today, McDonald's has over 36,000 locations all over the world with 375,000 employees. McDonald's does over $24 billion a year in revenue and is worth over $106 billion. Let's now take a look at some lessons on success from Ray Kroc, the former milkshake mixer salesman. Number one, always be on the lookout for opportunities. Now, most entrepreneurs rarely start with a successful idea, but life will always present you with opportunities if you stay open to them. It's not enough to be presented with opportunities. When you receive these opportunities, you have to do something about them and take action. Ray says that the two most important requirements for major success are first being in the right place at the right time and second, doing something about it, taking advantage of that opportunity. Number two, have a big vision. While the McDonald brothers only saw a small restaurant business, Ray had much bigger plans in his mind. Without Ray's vision, McDonald's would have never become the business that it is today. When others see limitations, a true leader sees opportunity and possibility. Number three, be a risk taker. Ray says if you're not a risk taker, you should get the heck out of business. Ray feels that not taking any risk deprives you of the opportunity of being successful. When Ray started, he had no idea of what he was doing. He mortgaged his home to fund the business. At the time, the fast food industry was essentially non-existent, so he didn't have any examples to follow. But through his perseverance and his willingness to take risks and gamble on himself and his product, he came out on top as one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. And number four, you must be persistent. When Ray was still selling milkshake mixers on the road, he would listen to motivational records every night and every morning. He didn't have no iPod. He didn't have no mp3 player he was playing them on a record player in the hotel rooms that he was staying at as he was on the road traveling selling these milkshake mixers now these records would inspire him to keep going and to never quit if ray would have quit he would have never came across the opportunity to become a part of mcdonald's and we would not be talking about him right now see we all get all sorts of opportunities but we have to Stay in the game to be able to take advantage of these opportunities. If that man would have quit, he would never, ever found out about the McDonald's brothers because they were way on the other side of the country. Number five, always stay grounded. Ray says it's easy to have principles when you're rich. The important thing is to have principles when you are poor. It's easier to do the right things when we have already become successful, but in order to become successful, you have to develop the right principles and habits when you have nothing. See, he developed the habit of persistence. That's why he was able to get up every single day for 17 years selling milkshake mixers to people that probably didn't even want to buy them. He got rejected over and over and over and over and over and over again, but he didn't quit. Because he didn't quit, he ended up finding the opportunity that would help take him to the next level. Now, the question that I have for a lot of people is, how many times have we quit? And if we would have just stood with something long enough, maybe another opportunity that we didn't even see before, right? Or we couldn't have even imagined was there, would have presented itself that, that could have taken our lives to the next level. Number six, love what you do. Ray says that if you work for just money, you'll never make it. But if you love what you're doing and you always put the customer first, success will be yours. Business should always be about what you can provide your customers and how passionate you are about that. If the passion for your business and for your customers is not there, your business will die. And number seven, work hard. Ray says that luck is a dividend of sweat. The more you sweat, the luckier you get. Ray was not afraid to work hard. He realized that he created his own luck by working hard. Selling milkshake mixers door to door across the country is not easy work. But he did it because that's what he had to do. He did that for 17 years. Now, many people feel that once they decide that they want to be successful and work at it for a few weeks, something must be wrong if they don't achieve the success that they desire. It just doesn't happen like that. Then you have others that feel that instant success must be due to either luck coming from the right family or knowing the right people or having the right education. What these people don't realize is that success doesn't come overnight. It comes from years and years of hard work that most time is unseen. Overnight success is a myth. It really doesn't exist. Even though it may seem that someone has had instant success, most times we are unaware of the amount of work that they put in just to be able to have had the opportunity to have a chance at success. Now, an example of this would be the musician that is singing or playing an instrument somewhere. And then fortunately, they get discovered by the head of a record company that just happens to be passing by. It's easy for everyone to assume that this musician got a lucky break and because of a chance encounter, rose to success overnight. What most people fail to remember or didn't get a chance to see was the years of hard work and practice that the musician put in so they would be ready for the opportunity when it came their way. Most people... Don't see the many times that that musician may have played at the same place with no results. Once we understand this, it becomes easier for us to become more patient and put the required work in to achieve the success that we so desire. Let's now take a look at a few reasons why we need to do away with the myth of overnight success and embrace the slow journey to achievement. Number one, runaway success is very rare. For every story you may hear of someone with instant success, there are thousands of stories that you never hear of of people with opposite results. Number two, big breaks don't just come out of nowhere. Like I talked about earlier, it takes hundreds, sometimes thousands of efforts to be in a position to take advantage of an opportunity when it finally does come your way. Number three, failure is almost always a stepping stone. Successful people don't get it right instantly. They fail up. Almost every successful person can tell you story after story of failure and rejection. Number four, success takes more than talent. Now, rarely does someone achieve success on their first try. It was Malcolm Gladwell that said, practice isn't the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good. Everyone that is great had more than just talent. They worked extremely hard at cultivating their talent. That's what made them great. Number five, success is a journey, not a destination. Now, when success is achieved instantly, it's never appreciated and is usually meaningless and usually it doesn't last. What makes success meaningful is the love, sweat, and tears that we put into whatever we are doing day in and day out. Let's now take a look at some entrepreneurs that took many years to become an overnight success. Number one, and there are so many, I could probably list about a hundred of them, but I just picked three examples. Number one, Larry Ellison dropped out of the University of Chicago at age 22 in 1966 and drove his car cross-country to California. Larry worked for another company for 11 years before starting his own company that would eventually become Oracle in 1977. The company wouldn't really take off and take on the name of Oracle until 1982, 16 years after he dropped out of school. Larry is currently one of the richest people on the planet with a net worth of over $55 billion. He worked for another company for 11 years. Before, he decided to branch off and start his own company. Now, this man is worth $55 billion. Number two, Sir James Dyson, the founder of the Dyson vacuum cleaner. It took him 15 years and all of his savings to develop the bagless vacuum cleaner. He developed 5,126 prototypes that failed first before he discovered the version that would work. Sir James is now worth $4.9 billion. Took this man 15 years to figure out the right prototype that would work for his vacuum cleaner. And number three, Roland Hussey Macy opened four retail store locations between 1843 and 1855 that all failed. Roland learned from the mistakes that he made and in 1858, 15 years after he opened the first store, he established a new store named R.H. Macy Dry Goods. This is the Macy's department store that we all know of today that has over 700 locations nationwide. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen, you can go to the website, www.powerhh.com. Now, I know you have three friends that could have benefited from listening to this show. You got three friends that think that you can become successful in like three days. Oh, man. If only they knew. Tell them about the station that you're listening to this show on so they can go back and re-listen to it or they can go to my website www.powerhh.com and go back and re-listen to it. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is success isn't overnight. It's when every day you get a little better than the day before. It all adds up. And that's from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. Thank you much and until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. I
0: see trees of green.